All right, today is an exciting day for us because after six months of preaching exclusively online, today is the final day for now that I will be preaching exclusively online. I mean, who knows what will happen in the future, and we may find ourselves back, uh, back exclusively online at some point in the future. But for today, it's the last day for a while that I will be preaching exclusively to a camera. And I'm excited about that because, because preaching to a live audience and preaching to you in person is a lot more fun than preaching to a camera. I'm sorry, camera one, and I'm sorry, camera two, if that hurts your feelings. But it's obviously time for us to get back to in-person services because I need human contact. I'm literally talking to cameras right now about their feelings. And so here's the thing. If, if, if at, at the same time, as, as we talk about that, if you do not feel comfortable coming back around crowds yet, we will still be here online every Sunday on Facebook and on YouTube. And, and we'll be putting all the same energy into this. And we'll talk about that a little bit as we go throughout the day. But we're excited that next Sunday we get back to in-person services. Now, as we begin to regather, there's a passage of scripture that I want us to read today because I think what's recorded in this passage has a great deal um, for us to unpack and for us to get in our hearts and minds as we, as we begin to regather. Now, what we're going to read today are the last recorded words of Jesus before he was arrested, before he was betrayed, before he was arrested. And here it comes from John's gospel, chapter 17, starting in verse 9. It says this, Jesus, Jesus is praying here. My prayer, got Jesus talking to God, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to to you. This is interesting. Jesus came to die for the world, but in his final moments, Jesus didn't pray for the world. Jesus prayed for his followers. Jesus prayed for his, his followers in his last moments as a free man, knowing that it was his last few moments. Jesus didn't pray for the world. Jesus prayed for those who follow him. Now, why is that? Verse 10, we, we start to find out. He said, all who are mine belong to you, talking to God, all, all who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me so that they may bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. See, Jesus knew that the, for those of us who are living in this world, we, we're drawing the short stick. We're drawing the short end of the stick. He was going somewhere far better than this world. And his followers then and his followers now, we would be left to live in and, and deal with the brokenness of this world. And having lived in the brokenness of this world, Jesus knew that he was going somewhere far better, and those who were following him were staying behind in the brokenness, in the dirt, in the, in, in the pain, in the suffering of this world. So he prays, you know, I, I'm coming back to you, God. But I pray for them because they're, they're going to they're gonna still be here. They're going to still, still be living in this world. He goes on, Holy Father, you've given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. So that they will be united just as we are. Jesus prayed that we, his followers then and his followers now would be just as united as Father and Son and Holy Spirit are. Jesus prayed that his followers would be as united as Jesus, the Son of God, and the Father are. So what does that look like? It looks like being perfectly united around their mission and their purpose. Now, I, I, imagine, I imagine that there were times where there was disagreements in the Trinity over the plan. 
I, I imagine as they began to talk about the plan of, of the redemption of mankind, I would imagine there was disagreements about, about aspects of the plan because different aspects of the plan would cost different, different members of the Trinity different things and would, would, would cause them different, different moments of uncomfort at different moments. I, I imagine that you know, while they were talking about the plan, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are sitting around talking about the plan. You know, God the Father was like, all right, so Son, you're going to go down there. You're going to go down to that, to that broken mess of, 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 of human world. You're going to go down to that, to that earth place. And, 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 and the son, Jesus is going, wait, wait, why, why am I going down there? Dad, why don't, why don't, why don't you go down there? And the father's like, well, there's that Bible verse that says, you know, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So the son has to go. And Jesus is like, well, wait, 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 that verse is going to be written after we do what we're going to do. So we could change it. You know, we could change it. And, and, and God, the father was like, pish posh. I brought you into this multiverse. I can take you out. You know, I mean, you know, just like, you know, like dads say, and then, and, and, and then the, the Holy Spirit was like, wait, hey, hey, what, you know, what am I going to do? And the father and the son were like, oh, you're, you're going to be waiting up here for like 30 years. And then one day you're going to show up looking like a dove. And the son, and the Holy Spirit was like, wait, 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 can I show up looking like a monster truck? And the father was like, you can't show up looking like a monster truck because you're infinity years old. You're not five years old. Okay. You got to show up. You got to, this, this is the plan. I would imagine that in, in that in, in heaven, as they were talking about the, the plan, there was some moments of disagreement, but they were never disagreements about the purpose. There was never disagreements about the mission. There was always the idea, this is the ultimate goal. This is the purpose. This is what we're setting out to do. And so we might disagree about the plan because there's aspects of it that we don't like at some point along the way, but if it helps us accomplish the purpose, we are all in. For each of us, for each one of them, there were parts of the plan that made them really uncomfortable, but the purpose was worth working an uncomfortable plan. And once the plan was set, everyone was all in because if the plan was the only way to fulfill the purpose, we're going to go all in on the plan. That's what it looks like to be united like the Father and the Son. Jesus went on praying in verse 12. He said this, During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in the world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world. Again, they do not belong to this world. If you're a Jesus follower, you do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I gave myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Here's, here's, a, here's a big truth from this passage. We exist in this world to display something better than this world. We as Jesus followers, we exist in this world to display something better than this world. As I read through that portion this week, I was so struck that Jesus said, they don't belong to this world. He said it over and over again. They don't belong to this world. They don't belong to this world. They don't belong to this world. But I am sending them into this world. I'm sending them. I'm, I, like they, they could just follow me to heaven. They, they believe in me. If it, if it was all about what we're supposed to achieve and, and, and receive in eternity, you know, game over, we can all go to heaven. But I'm sending them back into the world that they already live in for a purpose, which means, which means, if you find yourself as a Jesus follower living in the year of our Lord 2020 in Las Cruces in the great state of New Mexico, you have been sent here by Jesus. 
You have been placed here for purpose. You've been placed here for purpose. And what's that purpose? You see, Jesus over and over uses this word holy. And the word holy literally translates as different, as set apart, as separated, meaning there should be something different about the way you live your life, about the way you face challenges, about the way we talk, about the way we think, about the way we process the events of life, that, that something different than the world around you. And let me be very clear. God uses church to help you become different, but church doesn't make you different. Actually following Jesus makes you different. Actually following Jesus makes you different. Actually following Jesus makes you better. Actually following Jesus allows your life to be a display of a better life. Actually following Jesus allows that your life could be a display for someone else of a better life that Jesus has to offer and that is available to every single person through Jesus. And I really believe that the world needs a lot less people running around saying they're different when they really mean that they're worldly people who spend an hour or two around church stuff every week. That is not what Jesus prayed for. That is not what Jesus meant when he talked about being holy and, and being different. The world actually needs a lot more people who have actually allowed Jesus to change them and to make them new and to make them better. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be better. We're supposed to be an example of the better life that Jesus has for us in the here and now. So that the world, when the world sees us, they could catch a glimpse of what Jesus can do and who Jesus could be in their lives. Verse 20 says this, Jesus finishes up his prayer. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. This is, this, this is, this is amazing. Jesus prayed for you. And Jesus prayed for me. Jesus, Jesus sitting, sitting in, his, in his final moments before he would be betrayed, before he would be arrested, Jesus looked into the future and prayed for you, sitting where you are right now. Jesus prayed for me where I am preaching right now. Jesus prayed for, for us in, in, in his moments before his darkest moments of despair. He prayed for you and he prayed for me. And here's what he's prayed. He said, I pray that they will all be one. Can we actually say that together? Just say the word one on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. One. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one as you were in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus prayed that his followers, that the church would be united, would be one. That was Jesus's prayer for you and for me. As Jesus looked into the years, the years to come, as Jesus looked off into the distant future, as Jesus looked into 2020, Jesus prayed that the church could be united that the church could be one, that, that followers of him could be one, that we would come together around the single greatest thing that has ever happened in human history, that the son of God came to the earth. He lived a sinless life so that he could die as a perfect sacrifice. And then he went to the cross to die as that perfect sacrifice. And, 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 and on the cross, he took the punishment for our sin, our shame, our guilt, our past, everything that we, that we had ever done wrong. He took the, the punishment and paid the price for that on the cross. And that wasn't the end of the story. He rose from the dead, offering a new life and a new hope for every person who puts their faith in him. I mean, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in human history. 
And he prayed that we could unite around that. And I love that he didn't just pray for unity for the sake of unity. He prayed for our unity. There's that word, so that, so that. He prayed for our unity so that the rest of the world who did not know and did not see and was not there, they would believe in him. It's almost like Jesus knew that in order for the world to believe, the church needs to be united. In order for the world to believe, the church needs to be united. Now, I've, I've read these verses all my life. I've, I've, I've read these verses probably so, so, so many times that throughout, throughout the years that for, for a while, if I'm being honest, these verses kind of seemed pretty stale. You know, it was just, just a, you know, something that, another thing that I thought Jesus, Jesus said. And then a few years ago, I was at a conference called Orange, which is a conference that's put on by, by the incredible company that puts together all of our kids' curriculum and all of our kids' experiences. Um, and, and it just, uh, just does an incredible job. And the, the, the conference is all about, you know, family ministry and kids' ministry and youth ministry and all, all, all kinds of different types of ministry. It's a fantastic conference. And at the conference, one of, one of my favorite pastors, Andy Stanley, was, was, was going to be one of, the, one of the speakers, one of the preachers there. Um, and I remember him preaching on this passage. He, the, 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 the talk that he gave was, was about this passage. And he made this statement in, in his message after, after reading this scripture. He said, in the future, truly effective churches won't be known for their programming or their perfect theology or their extraordinary teaching or for having the best evangelism strategies. Truly effective churches will be known for their unity. Truly effective churches will be known for their unity. And I, I remember hearing that and thinking, yeah, and that kind of makes some sense. People who are united make a bigger difference than people who are divided. That, that makes sense. And, and here's the thing. I, I, I believe all of, that, all of that other stuff is important. I believe in good theology. I believe in quality programming. I believe in the value of, of extraordinary teaching. You know, I, 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 I believe in great strategies to reach people who don't know Jesus yet. But I was like, you know, he, he, he might have a point here. And later that night, I jumped on Twitter, and, and I remember I, was, I wanted to see what, you know, what other people kind of, what stood out to other people from the conference. So I searched the hashtag associated with, with the Orange Conference for that year, and I remember what stood out to me that night. As I jumped on Twitter and as I scrolled through my Twitter feed, I noticed that, that Twitter Christians had decided to take Andy Stanley's message and decided to attack him as a hypocrite and as a heretic which is a very Twitter Christian thing to do. Now, let me tell you, let me, let me just actually tell you what some of these, what some of the Twitter Christians decided to do. The perfect theology Twitter Christians had this to say, ah, now we know why Andy Stanley's theology has been so bad forever. He finally admitted he just doesn't care about good theology. The programming church Twitter Christians had this to say, how dare Andy Stanley tell us that programming and quality production don't matter. His church spends more on production than any church alive. The excellent preaching Twitter Christians had this to say. So the guy who's made a fortune selling books about how to preach better is telling us that preaching doesn't matter. Give me a break. And the outreach Twitter Christians had this to say. Obviously, Andy Stanley doesn't care at all about reaching people for Jesus. He only wants to have the biggest church. Now, here's, here's what I remember doing. I went back and I looked at my conference notes just to see, you know, I was looking through all the different stuff. I'm like, did he did he actually say that that stuff didn't matter? Did he actually like seem to imply that that stuff didn't matter? And I was, I went back through my notes. I remember thinking he said that that matters. He talked about the value of that. And he talked about the value of that. And he talked about the value of that. And he never said that these things weren't important. And he never said these things don't matter. He just said that unity might matter more. And in one of those ironic twists that is, that is Christian world sometimes, 
for saying that unity might matter above everything else and for saying that Jesus seemed to imply that unity might just be the most important thing, Christians attacked him for it. Now, here's, here's why I bring that up. 2020 has, been, has, has, has seen the world become more and more divided than ever. And I feel like that night for me was a really good preview of what 2020 would look like. And simultaneously, I have never believed so much that what Andy preached that day was actually right, that a divided world needs a unified church, that a divided world needs a unified church. See, a divided world needs a unified church that can disagree with each other politically, but we still love each other in Jesus' name, and we don't allow politics to divide brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. A divided world needs a unified church that can disagree about what matters in light of the pandemic, but can lay aside our opinions so that we can come together to worship together and serve our city and serve our world. A divided world needs a unified church where race does not divide, but our diversity actually makes us stronger, and where we, call, where we can all own the fact that we all have room to grow in relation to respecting and honoring diversity, and we can all simultaneously be patient with each other while we're growing. A divided city, a divided world, and a divided city needs us to be a unified church. A divided city, a divided city like Las Cruces with all kinds of different people and all kinds of different backgrounds and all kinds of different opinions and all kinds of different ideas needs us at Movement to be a unified church. That's what Jesus prayed, and that's what I'm praying for as we begin to talk about gathering together again next week. Now, again, I, I, I felt this was so important to talk about today because there are a couple ways this is going to play out as we begin to resume in-person services next weekend. First of all, I, I want to say I would love, I would love to see all of you in person. I have missed you guys so much. I can't wait next week to give a whole bunch of air fives and a whole bunch of air hugs. Like, and so like, I can't wait to be preaching to a live, a live congregation again. I mean, again, Devin's a great audience behind the camera. Cece occasionally laughs, but I mean, you guys are a far better audience than these, than these cameras are. I can't wait to see you all in person. At the same time, I know there are some of you who won't feel comfortable getting around crowds just yet, and, and, and you'll choose to engage on online. And I just want to say, whether you connect in person or online, we are one church. We are one church. We're, we're, we're a united church. That whether we're in person or whether we are online, we are a united church. Here's, here's the thing. For, for people who will come in person, we will not judge anyone who stays home and who connects online for having too little faith. For those of you who will stay home and connect on, online, I'm going to ask that you won't judge anyone as reckless for coming in person. We're going to stay united as a church, whether we're in person or whether we're online. We're not going to judge each other and, and allow things to divide us that shouldn't divide us. And here's the thing. For some of you, there will be reasons over the next few weeks that you actually have to stay home and have to connect online for a week or two. If you come into contact with someone who tested positive for COVID, if you find yourself sick, if you find yourself with a fever, if, if you find yourself with any of the reasons that people should be staying home or should be quarantined. We actually want you to stay home and want you to quarantine. We think that a really great act of faith over the next couple weeks is going to be that we're going to exist as a church, but some of you, you will have to stay home. And staying home when you should stay home is actually loving people. And, and by loving people, it's loving people in Jesus' name. It's a great 
act of faith. And so whether we're in person or digital, Movement Church is going to be one church. And here's another thing I want to make really clear in case I haven't made this clear yet. We're going to be putting the same energy and work into keeping this online experience high quality because we have seen that this can be a great first step for people who are coming back to faith, coming back towards church, and want to take a tiny step, a small step first. So this is going to stay high quality. This is still going to get a lot of energy and a lot of work put into it. A second, let's let's talk about masks because 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 why not talk about masks? If you're coming in person over over the next few weeks, I'm going to need you to wear a mask. Look, no, look, no no one likes wearing a mask. I don't like wearing a mask. I've tried to make jokes about it to make it seem more normal and act like because of my my beautiful eyes, you know, the the mask thing works for me. I don't like wearing a mask. None of us like wearing a mask. But so that we can resume meeting in person, I'm going to ask you to wear a mask for a couple reasons. Let me try to explain why. First, we're going to be in a space that we do not own, which means we do not make the rules which means we have to abide by the requirements of the people who own the property. And Hotel E has mandated that if we're going to be there, we need to be wearing masks. And here's the thing. If you don't wear a mask, we can't come back the next week. So I need you to wear a mask for that reason. I'm not making the rules. That's just what we need to do in order that we will keep being able to meet at the property. Now, that being said, if I were making the rules... If I were making the rules, I would still ask you to wear a mask. And here's the thing, and here's the reason for that. I want, as far as COVID standards, I want our church to be a safe place where people feel safe regardless of what their standards are in regards to to COVID. Here's what what I told our team the other day. Everyone has different opinions on what should be required for safety. I want us to make sure that for people who have the highest possible standards of what's required to feel safe, they feel safe and they feel like we're taking every precaution. This is where we can disagree about the effectiveness of masks, but we still unify around working the plan so that we can accomplish our purpose. Uh, one of the th- one of the thing on masks, uh, I know that as politicians have gotten involved with the whole mask debate, some have said to take uh, to, to to take the mask and use the mask to make a shot, to take a shot at different political uh, positions, and to take a different uh, a shot at different politicians. And 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 some of you have taken them up on that. And and you and some of you you have masks taking shots at, at the governor. Some of you have masks taking shots at the president. And you have every right to do that. And some of them they're really creative and 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 they're and they're awesome. And you have every right. To, to have that mask. At the same time, I'm going to ask that on a Sunday morning at, at church that you don't wear that mask because I want us to come together to focus on Jesus, not to make political statements with our masks. And I don't want someone's, here's the most, the actual, the, the biggest reason, I don't want someone's first impression of our church to be a political statement on your mask. So pretty please, Wear those to Walmart, don't wear them to Movement Church next week. Now, if you're thinking, well, that's the only mask I have, next Sunday, we will give you a great Movement Church mask. Every person at service next week gets a Movement Church mask for free. You're like, yay, I get a free mask that I don't want to wear. Hey, at least you don't have to pay for a mask that you don't want to wear. And here's the cool thing about this. It will create an opportunity. Instead of using your mask to share what you're against, it will give your, you an opportunity to share with your mask what you're for and ultimately who you are for. To show who you're ultimately for, Jesus. That we don't serve a political party, we serve a risen Savior. Now, final thing. As we're in the early stages of this, I'm going to ask this of you. 
Be really sensitive about others' willingness for physical contact or close conversations. In other words, if you're really comfortable with that, please don't assume that others are. And if you're not comfortable with that and someone comes to try to give a hug or something, please kindly communicate your boundary. It's how we'll be loving. Now, you, now you, might, you might think, but the church is about people and about connection. And you're absolutely right. It's about people. It's about connection. We're going to make sure that we care about people and that we connect in ways that show respect by not assuming that everyone is as comfortable as we are. And you think, well, that makes me uncomfortable. Listen, none of us have done anything comfortable in the last six months. I am okay with you being uncomfortable. I want us to be together. I am okay with you being uncomfortable. I want us to be get together. And if the only way for us to be together is for you to be uncomfortable, I will make that trade every time. So here's the thing. Next week, we get to begin resuming in-person services, and that's exciting. But here's the, th the other thing I know. In every generation, there is an opportunity to be the answer to this prayer that Jesus prayed for the church. Every generation has an opportunity or an, and a challenge where we get the opportunity to choose to be the answer to Jesus's prayer. This is ours. This is ours. We get to choose unity in 2020. We get to choose to be better than the world around us in 2020. We get to choose to love Jesus and to love each other and to love our neighbors and to love our community in 2020. We get to choose to lay aside our differences and come together to worship a savior in 2020. We get to be the answer to Jesus's prayer. And I'm all in on that. And I hope that you are too. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you that Jesus prayed for us. Thank you for, the, for these words that remind us of the importance and the value of unity. God, I know there's going to be moments and there's going to be, there's going to be times in the, in the coming day, weeks and the coming months where we're going to disagree about the plan. But God, I pray that we could be perfectly unified around the purpose and around the mission. I pray that you could help us to continually be a church that wants to help people grow in, our, in, in, in their relationship with you and do whatever we can to make that a reality for people. So God, help us to be unified. Help us to be unified around you. Help us to be unified around what matters most, that you sent your son into the world to die for us and to raise from the dead so that we could have a new life in you. Help us to remember that that's what matters most. And so God, help us to be willing to lay aside our opinions, to lay aside our comfort, to lay aside every, anything that might get in the way of what you want us to do and who you want us to be. God, help us to be one. Help us to be the answer to what Jesus prayed all these years ago. We love you, God. Give us wisdom to know how to do this. Give us courage to do it well. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.